Greetings, greetings. It's an honor to be with you today. Happy New Year. To all of you, well, when you hear this message or the series of messages, I believe that we would have been already past the new year but today is january 3rd to be exact monday january 3rd 2022 all right and i believe that the lord has a message for his people so i want you to strap in as we take a journey into the word of the lord welcome to the soul place and the title of this message is entitled A Woe to the Churches, the Ecclesia, and the Establishment. Okay, we're going to get right into it. Now, I know you're wondering, how did this all come about? How did we arrive at this juncture where the Lord has given me a word for the churches, that's right, the ecclesia and the establishment. Well, here we go. While praying for the church locally, nationally, and internationally, and this was in the time of March 2nd, 2020, during the pandemic, during lockdown, the Lord gave me a dream, or at least I was reminded of a dream I had it was maybe about two years prior I had this dream and during a time of fasting and prayer the church was in a time of fasting and prayer and we were seeking the Lord during the pandemic and the Lord reminded me of this dream and I want to share this dream with you I want you to take note of this dream well I'm coming out of the north well aware of my surroundings I'm coming out of the north in this dream and while walking out of the north I come upon this church now this church is a church I'm very familiar with and as I approach the church I notice two men of God that I'm very familiar with and when I got close to them they were leaving um, this church building and they for some reason they didn't notice me because I know I know for sure for surety if they had seen me these men of God would have acknowledged me but they seemed to be in a hurry so they got in their vehicles and they left with an urgency now as they left I proceeded to just walk on by the church I had no reason to stop but as I proceeded to walk past the church, I, all of a sudden, the skies got my attention. And when I looked up, I saw thousands, if I can use a number to describe it, thousands of funnel clouds, moments away from touching down. Now, when I saw this, I, <laughs> was immediately frightened because we know the destruction 
that a tornado could bring. And to see thousands of them moments away from touching down was a frightening sight. And I immediately sought a place of refuge. And the only place that I could run to was the church building. So I ran down the church corridor, down the aisleway. And when I thought that I had arrived at a safe distance to look back, I looked back and remember now, these funnel clouds, they were moments away from hitting the ground and touching down. When I looked back behind me, after I got at a safe distance at the church, on the church walkway, I looked and the skies were beautiful, like nothing had occurred. And I was I was dumbfounded. I was like, this isn't the same sky that I saw filled with storms a minute ago. It's now beautiful, sun shining bright again. And so I found myself in this churchyard, which wasn't my original intention. But I said, well, since I'm here, let me just stop by and see who's at, at the church. So I reached for the back door of the sanctuary. And when I reached for it, it opened. And when I opened it, because it opened inward, when I opened it, I couldn't believe my eyes. The church was in total ruin. It, it, it appears like, or appeared like nobody had been there in years. It was just total desolation. This was the word that welled up in my spirit when I saw it. It was totally desolate. Now, outside of the church, the walls were looking nice. The building was looking nice. You would not be able to tell that the, that the church was in this condition of desolation on the inside. It was a, I, was, it, I was awestruck by what I saw. So after I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm definitely not going in there. So I closed the door back. And as soon as I did that, something caught my attention at the right of me and it was a sight to behold when i looked to the right of me i saw this bowl the bowl may have been a black bowl i believe it was black because it was a dark color this is this black bowl and i saw three animals simultaneously at the very same time eating out of this one bowl now this is going to get you because we know that these animals normally are not friends. And here are the animals that I saw. I saw a dog. I saw a cat. And I saw a rat. And when I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes. So I, I looked away as if to, sh to shake my eyes free of any debris that might have been in them or something. And I looked again. And to confirm that these were the animals that I was seeing, they all made their sounds that they were synonymous for. The dog barked, the cat meowed, and the rat screeched as a rat would squeak. And I was like, wow. And at that point, the dream disappeared. Now, when I saw this dream, one of the the main things that the Lord said to me initially was 
these three animals represented the church. Now, the only two things that I really captured initially was that one, when I opened that door, what I saw was the church in desolation. I got that understanding initially. And then second of all, that those three animals represented three levels of the church or three positions of the church. When I saw the Lord during the time of fasting in 2020, in the month of March, March 2nd to be exact, the Lord began to really speak to me concerning this dream. And it, and that it was a sorry, and that it was a picture of present and events to come. So I'm sharing with you in this series what the Lord gave me. First of all, the desolate church. What does it mean to be desolate? We see this uh, description many times in the Word of God. But what does it mean to be desolate? First of all. Desolate means uninhabited and giving an impression of bleak emptiness. And when I saw the church, like I said, it looked well on the outside, but on the inside, it was as if people hadn't been there in years. I mean, from the outside, you would have been fooled and said that this was a thriving, functioning church. But in actuality, on the inside, it showed a different picture. It was as if it was a replica of what Jesus said about the sepulcher. You know, it's painted white and looks nice on the outside, but on the inside, they're dead man's bones. Okay, now, second of all, I want us to look at, at the two churches. Now, this was another revelation that the Lord gave me concerning uh, this dream and the state of the church and the revelation is this there are there, there are sorry in actuality two churches there is the ecclesia that's the living organism the body of christ we go by many bonikers and then there is the establishment which is the building this is something that men have orchestrated or established. Okay, so there are two churches, one designed or established by Jesus Christ by his death, burial, and resurrection. And then there is, and that one is the Ecclesia, sorry. And then there is the establishment, the one that has been brought um, into existence by men. Now let's look at them both individually. First of all, the Ecclesia, which is Greek for assembly of citizens or gathering of those summoned or the meeting of the people so this is the body of Jesus Christ this is the ecclesia now let's look at the establishment the establishment this is the action of establishing something or being established or the dictionary gave me this blunt explanation it's a building now the establishment will see desolation and the ecclesia will thrive and experience tremendous 
unity. I think this is important because I, I always felt the Lord saying to me in times past, even as I sought the Lord concerning his people, I've always had a burden for the people of the Lord and the conditions that we endure. And I always felt this this uh, this um, urgency and um, I would feel in my spirit that the church is in trouble and you know it's something that you would probably try to shake off because in your mind you're saying the church of Jesus Christ is never in trouble and I totally agree with that because Christ is the head of the church so we are secured he promises us that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church so what was the Lord actually pointing out to me? He was not talking about the ecclesia, his body, but he was talking about the establishment, the part that men had brought into fruition. That was an actual trouble. And according to what I understand, the establishment will see desolation and the ecclesia will thrive and experience tremendous unity. Now, this is the Ecclesia versus the establishment. These are some things that I jotted down as the Lord began to talk to me. And this is how we will tell the difference between the two. In case you're struggling with separating the Ecclesia from the establishment, let me help you with that. I've got a few notes that I've jotted down. And I believe that these are going to help us see clearly. Okay, first and foremost, the Ecclesia ascribes the free will given. Okay, the Ecclesia, the Church of Jesus Christ, we ascribe the free will giving. The establishment, on the other hand, promotes tithing and compulsory giving. I want to say that again. Let's run over those points real quick again. The Ecclesia ascribes the free will giving. In other words, freely you've given, freely you receive. Let a man give as he purposes in his heart. This is what the Ecclesia ascribes to. That's the word of God. Now, the establishment promotes tithing and compulsory giving. And we know that tithing was a system established for the Hebrews under the period of the law. At the grace Christ has instituted a new system of giving, but the establishment remains in that pattern, which is not for this church age. And in addition to that, they believe in begging you to give or compelling you to give and what makes room for manipulation. And we'll get to that later. But I want us to take note of the differences, some more differences between the two. The Ecclesia believes in accountability in the church's finances, namely income and expenditure. But the establishment doesn't believe in sharing the church's financial situation and, quite frankly, doesn't believe it's the parishioner's business. I want to say these again because these are very important. I don't want you to miss these. First and foremost, the Ecclesia believes in accountability in the church's finances, namely 
income and expenditure. In other words, the Ecclesia believes that we are accountable to one another. We should give account for the monies that are coming in to the, to the body. And we should give an account for the monies being spent or the expenditure. The Ecclesia on oh sorry, the establish on the, the establishment on the other hand, they don't believe in sharing that information. As a matter of fact, they believe that you should just give and that whatever happens to the money is not your business. You shouldn't be concerned about that. And that is totally not godly because God has made us stewards of what He's given us. And if we don't hold one another accountable, when the time of accounting happens, we're going to be in trouble with God. But it goes further. Let's look at some other differences. The Ecclesia views the gifts and calling as a sole means of edifying the body. Okay? The establishment, rather, views certain positions as a means to assert dominance and control. Very important point. So I'm going to rehearse those again. The Ecclesia views gifts and calling as a sole means of edifying the body. When we look at the fivefold ministry and all the accompanying gifts, we the Ecclesia understands and sees these roles as a means to edify the body of Christ. But the establishment, on the other hand, uh, sees these means or these roles as a place that they can exert dominance and you will find that in most cases there are certain positions like the pastor and the prophet and the bishop and you may have seen this assertion in other roles is as if they become lords over God's heritage and that's the perception of the establishment but let's go a little further and I believe that this is a very important point. I really don't want you to miss this one because this one hits home for me. And it's this. The Ecclesia is more concerned about building people. And the establishment, on the other hand, is more concerned about building steeples. Uh, let's go over that again. The Ecclesia is more concerned about building people. They understand that the body of Christ is a living organism and we should go from strength to strength. We are brothers and sisters in particular. And God desires for all of us to grow and to mature in him. The establishment, on the other hand, is more concerned in building steeples or building more church buildings. The emphasis is placed on building funds and building projects and, and not people funds and people projects looking after the poor the less fortunate the widows these are side projects when the building funds are the primary projects and we must see a problem with this in accordance to the word of god now there's a controversy um concerning remember this one of the things i said that the establishment believe in is tithing and i'm just going to touch on it a bit i thought that this was interesting as it relates to tithing now 
this is Matthew 22 and 23. And this is Jesus speaking to the scribes in them. And he says this. I thought that this was noteworthy. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. I thought that this was amazing. Now let's break it down a bit. What are the meanings that Jesus is talking about here? Justice. What is justice? Justice is just behavior or treatment. According to Jesus, these three things are the weightier matters than tithe. Because you know the Hebrews, if you would do your study, you would find out that they didn't collect the tenth. Abraham and Jacob did originally, but the, rich, the tithe that was instituted was a threefold tithe, which amounts to some 30%. So the Lord is saying, instead of your focus being on those three tithes, there are some things that are more important. And here are them. And here are they, sorry. Justice. Justice is just behavior or treatment. Or simply, fairness or fair play. You know, and perception is something that, especially our leaders, they are blessed with it. They have an oversight that enables them to see beyond the average person. So they know those that are struggling to pay their bills, their rent, their mortgages, to keep food on the table. So they have an opportunity as our, as our leaders to exercise justice or to be fair or to exhibit fair play. But they have chosen not to. And this is what Jesus was saying to the scribes and Pharisees. And he, he moves on to the next one, mercy. What is mercy? Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. And as lords of God's heritage, as they move about, you know, they are in a position to exhibit mercy because you know the plight of the people. You know, it's amazing when Jesus recounted the story of the woman with the two mites, you know, it was obvious that this woman was a poor woman. And Jesus was just observing. He was not disturbing um, their flow. His time had, an, had not yet come. So he was just observing and showing us the ways of the scribes and Pharisees. Here comes this woman with two mites. And, you know, instead of the, the leader saying, you know, ma'am, we know that that's all you have. You know, um, hold on to that might. As a matter of fact, let me give you something to go along with that so that you can pay your bills and whatever. No, but they accepted her two mites. And then Jesus recounts that here come the lawyers in them. And they come and they put in their thousands. If you were to put a figure on it. And Jesus said that this woman gave more than they did. Although she even put it, although she only put in two mites. Because Jesus said that she gave all her living, while these guys gave out of their abundance. So, it's an example of how they were abusing this people. They were not 
They were not exhibiting mercy, but they were punishing them and harming them. And the last but not least, and I, I, but not least, and I believe this applies so much to the church today, faith. And what is faith? Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And I've always noticed as it relates to giving, the establishment is always hammering the ecclesia. You know, have faith in God. Take that, take that uh, rent money. Take that mortgage money. Take your child's school fee and, and trust God. Give it to God and God will give you. When the actual or the actuality is, God has already provided for the rent, for the mortgage, for your child's school fee. And you should take that and take care of your bills. You know, it's, like, it's as if they're, they're forcing you to have faith. And the, and the you is the ecclesia. But the establishment is not exhibiting any faith. They, they're just on the receiving end. So, Jesus is saying, where's your faith? You know, you, you have faith in the people to provide. You want them to give all their substance. But what are you giving in return? And, and this is why there's a big... There's a problem with what's happening. And this is what Jesus is saying. The poor, the widows, the less fortunate, they should be the primary focus of the establishment's ministry. But instead, they're raping and pillaging the people. They're taking everything from them and not giving hardly anything in return. I thought this, this was amazing and I made note of it, you know, because the normal argument from the establishment is, hey, give to God. You can't beat God giving. And I thought it interesting. You know, um, the call is always give to God. But the truth is, if you look at the word of God, there's only one true account of us giving to God or someone giving to God. You know, the amazing thing is this. We can only prove our love and loyalty to God is when we give to others. And so, and the scripture tells us without mistake, it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. And the establishment, I believe, has missed this teaching and this understanding. And it has robbed itself. And if we don't hold them accountable, we will be enabling them to rob themselves of the blessedness which is to give. But look, look, let's look at this account. The only account that I've come across, and I will stand corrected if there's another one, the only account of man giving to God directly, no middleman. This is Matthew 26, verses 6 to 11. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she had wrought a good work upon me, for ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not, uh, not always. Sorry. Now, now, now that's amazing. Can you can you picture this now? 
the woman comes in and she does this display of affection to Jesus and there's indignation or righteous judgment because the truth is the poor, even this scripture right here is proving to us that the poor should be our primary focus. We should, if we bless them, when we give to the poor, we're lending to the Lord. There is a great blessing in looking after the poor and the widows and the less fortunate. And it's amazing. When this woman does this act and these men make their remarks, Jesus does not directly condemn them for what they're saying, but he does emphasize that, hey, what is important here is that Although the poor is important, you have to understand that you have the poor with you always. But this woman, what she is doing is in preparation for my burial. So I want you to take note. Jesus did not discount what these men were saying. But he wanted them to understand that, hey, this woman is given directly to me. And this is going to be remembered as a memorial unto her. But he did take note of the fact and he mentioned to them that the poor you have with you always. Now, this is an awesome account of giving directly to God. I want to read Mark chapter 13 verses 1 to 6 and it says, And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering and said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign, when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ." And shall deceive many. Now, I thought this this is probably one of the most interesting stories as it relates to a synagogue or church building. Because at this moment, the disciples are looking at the buildings. And I believe that the Solomon's temple, those temples, Herod's temple, those were great, wonderful looking buildings. They were impressive. But the disciples' remark was... Look how awesome this building is. And and as if Jesus was trying to tell them, I see you focusing on this building. But there's coming a day when this building is not going to be standing. And we know that that prophecy was fulfilled in AD 70. Titus came and eventually took it down. And... You know, we focus so much on the building. We've been so programmed to build buildings to the point that if we're not building buildings, we feel as if we're not accomplishing anything. And this is the push pretty much for the majority of ministries. They're trying to build a great edifice. And, you know, in the wake of all of this, the people are suffering because the, you're building these edifices. Everyone is building an edifice at the expense of the people. Meanwhile, the people suffer in hunger, in homelessness, in joblessness, and all of these other things. When the church exists, 
to facilitate their need. You know, and Matthew 24 and 11 says, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. There's a there is a warning to be careful of false prophets. Listen to Matthew 17, 7 and 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Matthew 24 and 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall shew great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Listen to Mark 24 verses 6 to 8. And when she and when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. For, for, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils. And in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for testimony against them. You know, and there are so many prophecies that are recorded. Second Timothy 3 and 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Mark 13, 1 to, uh, Mark 13 is recorded and say, And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Before all of these things come to pass, the gospel must be propagated. And we're living in a time when the false prophets and the false Christs are roaming the earth. And we know that they are false because their agenda has nothing to do with the ecclesia. It's all about establishing the establishment and earthly dwelling. And it's amazing. Even the Jews, when Jesus first appeared, they perceived that he came to take them from under Roman leadership. But Jesus came to establish and a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, you know, and I believe that we can find ourselves there. The Ecclesia is definitely an earthly kingdom-driven business, and we know that the church has uh, two sides to it, they say, the business side and the spiritual side, but we've got to be careful because the only business that we are primarily involved in is the soul rescuing and saving business okay so we know that that prophecy that jesus talked about in matthew 24 was eventually fulfilled in AD 70 by titus the roman general he came and he destroyed the temple you know but i want us to understand something important there is coming a day when the church buildings will be desolate. The establishment is going to come under fire. It's going to come under attack. Because the truth is, I believe that there's a generation that is awakening and they are understanding more than ever that God is coming back for a ready church, a church without spot and wrinkle. They are seeing the dichotomy, if I can use a Miles Monroe word there, 
they're seeing the division or the separation between the establishment and the ecclesia. They see that the establishment is primarily concerned about natural things. And we're going to discuss that in our next um, audio. And they see that the ecclesia is primarily concerned about spiritual things. And this is important because the foundation of all things is spiritual. Okay. But in moving forward, let's look at um, Psalm 46 and 8. These are some scriptures that record desolation. It says, Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he had made in the earth. Isaiah 24 and 12. In the city is left desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. Isaiah 64 and 10 says, Thy holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem a desolation. Leviticus 26, 31. And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation. And I will not smell the savor of your sweet odor. So the question is, what do you do when God judges the earth? We're living in the time of the pandemic or probably now that you're hearing this is post pandemic because I was instructed to release this at the end of the pandemic. And we have to conclude that what we have experienced with COVID-19 is God allowing the earth to be judged. And you would notice that the churches got in the fray and they were um, convincing people to get vaccinated on the, on the whole nine yards. And I, I looked at it and I saw more propagation of vaccination than the gospel. And that troubled me because it made us see the division between the establishment and the ecclesia. The ecclesia is going to preach the unadulterated word of God and it's going to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the establishment is going to get bent over shape and buried in worldly affairs when the truth is we're in this world but we're not of this world. There has to be a separation between us and the world. We don't live according to the system and we can't allow this system, amen, to destroy us. So what do you do when God judges the earth? And I believe that COVID-19 and all that we've experienced is God is shifting the tension back to his church. In other words, God is allowing the tension to fall squarely on the ecclesia because the establishment has made it about buildings. But the people of God, Jesus did not die for buildings. He died for people. So God is shifting it back now. And, you know, I, I laughed at it. You know, I was telling my wife about it. It's amazing. You were frowned upon when you stayed at home to watch church on TV. You know, there was a time when that was considered a cardinal sin. You, you're not going to church today. You're going to stay home and watch it on the television. And, you know, God had it. He allowed it to be so where we had no choice. Thanks to social media, there were some pastors that were reluctant to engage, but they had no choice but to broadcast their services on social media because we could not go to work. We couldn't go to church. We were on lockdown. So it's, it's showing us how the tables turn and the things that we have condemned are the things we have to embrace. And it shows us what's important. A church building is nothing but a building if the people don't occupy it. So who is important? The building or the church? 
because buildings will be destroyed, ladies and gentlemen. Buildings will come to desolation. The establishment will experience the desolation, but the ecclesia will thrive as God would have it. So I want you to get ready in our next audio of this message, A Woe to the Churches, the Ecclesia, and the Establishment. We're going to go in depth and we're going to examine the dream symbolism. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an awesome and impactful time. Blessings. much for listening to today's episode of the Soul Place podcast. I pray that this episode was a blessing to you in some way. I look forward to seeing you next time. Blessings on you.